You've got to throw some cold water on this situation. Start talking about nerd stuff. You know, nerd culture is mainstream now. So when you use the word nerd derogatorily, it means you're the one that's out of the zeitgeist. System activate. This is NetHeads with Will Wilkins and Trent Hunsaker. It's a tech podcast. Tech podcast. But we are a sh- ton cooler than your typical geek, giving you the info you need to achieve mega nerd status. Mega nerd status. NetHeads. 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 You guys rock. And now, here's Will and Trent. No one listens to the radio. I wasn't even listening. I was listening to podcasts. Podcasts are great. Radio's boring. That's right, everybody. Podcasts are great. Radio's boring. My name is Will. That is not I'm Josh. Trent. There we go. There's Josh. <laughs> Josh. Not Sti- Trent. Nope. Josh Stifter coming at you right now on the ones and twos, spinning the wheels of steel. I don't Hell know what yeah. that means. Uh, welcome. Uh, for those that don't know, Josh Stifter, animator, uh, owner, and proprietor of Flush Studios. You can find out more about him, Flush Studios. You can follow him, Josh Stifter, on Twitter. It's so goddamn easy. Why aren't you already doing it? That's what I want to know. It's super easy. Also, check out patreon.com slash Flush Studios if you want to keep up with all of my crazy insanity and short films and all of the stupid stuff I do. So, yeah. You you recently actually did uh, a lot of production work on on that uh, short horror film that you've been wanting to make for a while, right? Yeah, I've done I've actually done a few short horror films for the Patreon exclusively. I'm trying to push like this sort of new media independent filmmaking idea where I don't know if you remember like Back in the day, it was like independent filmmakers, you knew everything about them. They were very uh, open about what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to do that sort of thing through the Patreon and show off some of the stuff I'm doing and kind of do like behind the scenes and bonus content as I'm actually working on the films. So that's my new big push. Um, but I did a short film called Chum that's basically a stupid little B movie about a monster that attacks two buddies on a boat. And that's about it. But it's it's a, it's fun. And it was sort of a, a, a pitch movie to do a, a bigger monster movie that I'm working on now. Oh, cool. So yeah, I've, been all, I've been all over the place working on a bunch of stuff. But yeah. Wow. And, and I come to think of it, man, I think when was the last time you sat in on an episode of NetHeads? By the way, if you want to take part in the program, you can. One of many ways. One on Twitter. Hashtag NetHeads. Or you can give us a call. 95-238-9020. That's Yakabed9020. 866-610-9455. Or last but not least, NetHeads on air via Skype. Thank you. Okay. Um, so how long has it been? Was it Was it actually the earlier part of last year? Um, no, I think it was right. It was like around August because it was like right around the time I started the Patreon, I think. Maybe. It's hard to remember. When did Star Wars come out? We did an episode about Star Wars at one point. Which one? Rogue One? The Force Awakens? Force Awakens, I think. If only so, there were this repository on the internet of past uh, NetHead shows that I could look up. Exactly. So we did, a, we did a Force Awakens episode long after it came out, and then maybe another two months after that we did one. So maybe it wasn't, because that was like December of last I year. I think it, it was, because one of the hot topics we talked about was the, um, the uh, whatchamadoodad that goes to the thingamajig. 
Uh, we talked about Deadpool, which, by the way, now I oh, can't yeah. watching. I cannot watch that movie without seeing within the opening scene, uh, pretty much just how that that entire opening sequence of traversing through the CGI still store, if you will, is really just a, an animator's pornography because they're like going all around all of this great detail that they spent so much time digitally animating and, and special effecting, if you will. It's like, uh, boy, we're going to we're going to really make the render time on this one worth it. Hell yeah. I still love that intro. I love I still love the whole but movie. That's one of those ones I, I can just watch it again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Yeah, I've seen it uh, only a few. I haven't watched it again and again and again and again and again. I've only watched it three times, I think. But nevertheless, that's a lot for me, seeing as how I just don't watch movies anymore. Ever since the, the, the second baby came along, I just don't have time to watch a whole lot of movies. Interestingly enough, though, you and the wife, uh, by the way, congratulations on the new child. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see, though, that you and the wife did get to out to see the, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I did. I saw it. And I will uh, I'll break the news here. I, I, I have a whole I do a podcast with my wife uh, for the Patreon. Um, and I, this this is going to be the entire next episode of the podcast will be me, ta- me and her talking about movies that we've cried at. And there's only two movies I've ever cried at. And this one is one of them. I actually shed a couple tears watching Guardians of the Galaxy, believe it or not. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two made me made me misty eyed. Oh well, you know what? I gotta say it 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 also did the same exact thing for me. I was right there with you. I, uh, as a matter of fact, I I cried, and then um, I thought things were over, and then I cried again because yeah. they cause they hit you the, with the one two punch. Uh, of a character passing and then the character's funeral and then it was like big bang bow boom and yeah, you're going to cry kinda now. just it's kind of just relentless at the end and then goes out it it's it, it's a it's powerful but I, I think the thing that really hit me about the movie was i being a dad i always feel like i don't relate to movies that much because i i live in this world where all i do is make make movies make weird b movies and stuff like that and then dad. Like, those are my two things that I do. And movies usually aren't about making movies because they don't want to pull you out of it. So there's no relatability in that for me. Like, the art, they try to disconnect from the art as much as possible. And then, on the opposite end, dads are boring as fuck, man. I don't know if you know this, but <laughs> no, one, no one wants to watch dads. So... <laughs> So generally, you don't get a lot of that. And finally, I, I saw a movie where it was kind of both. It's about a dad that's creating, who's so obsessed with creating that he he can't pull himself away from finding this purpose and this meaning and making stuff. And I'm like, I relate to this fucker. And then there's the other dad who just is a dad. Like, he just dads. And they take a while to get to that point, but when they finally do, it, it it's kind of vindicating. It allows me to like step out and go, oh man, you know, when I'm not working and making stuff, I'm not wasting life. I'm I'm being a dad. Like I I, I could kind of relate to the bad guy and the good guy in this movie. Yeah, I uh, that was one thing. Spoilers, by the way. Uh, that was one thing that that really 
hit me. It was such a silly statement. Uh, well, not silly statement. It was a very powerful statement, but it was just uh, one that, like, I couldn't even ponder that type of existence because uh, for those that don't know, uh, the protagonist in this movie is a protagonist. I never get the antagonist and the protagonist right. Ego. Protagonist, pro, good guy, antagonist. So, Ants are shitty. There you go. Well, now I'll never forget it. Thank <laughs> you for that, Josh. I just made that they are, though. No, let me tell you something. By the way, and, and you know, uh, I know there are some people that are like, well, I I can't make an ant, so why should I kill an ant? Because they're annoying as hell. That's why. Yeah. And and for the longest time, we had uh, we had one type of um, one type of, of uh, bug service, and then we changed it over to one that uses more eco-friendly options. I kid Shit. you not, six months of ants. Then I, I did a little research, ordered a pesticide, sprayed once, dead as fucking gone. 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 Yeah. Yeah, ants are the worst. And um, I'm so I don't know if you know this, but I'm a, like a hardcore meat eater. I, I'm, I do this keto diet. I live like a caveman. Oh, okay. I do this. I, I basically live like a hunter gatherer mentality. Like everything I do is based on this hunter gatherer mentality to the point where I actually have stuff set up in my backyard to, to work out where I'm, I like do pull ups on trees and throw tires around and spears and, I, and I, rocks, I, big, 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 big fucking boulders. rocks. I do. And I try, I'm, I tried to convince my wife that we should make this giant woolly mammoth for the backyard that I could just jump on. And just pretend like I'm tackling, <laughs> just like a caveman. So I live by this caveman mentality. So I totally don't have killing ants. If 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 ants attacked a caveman, I guarantee you that he would kill those ants. Yes, he would. So I'm I'm, I'm okay with the murder of ants. Okay, I'm glad. Well, I'm glad we we got that position clarified. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, already the, this is already the stupidest podcast you've ever done, right? Not, not quite. <laughs> no, there. Trust me. Um, so the antagonist, because uh, ants suck. Uh, in the movie, uh, it turns out, is Ego, which, you know, we all pretty much saw the writing on the wall. And yeah. uh, the one statement that he makes, though, for those that don't know, uh, as depicted in this movie, Ego, uh, in, in the comics, is the living planet. So for him, he's like, I don't know. I, all I remember is blinking into existence, and he's just represented by this big brain. Uh, and then slowly he learns how to manipulate atoms around him, and he ends up building an entire planet and ecosystem and life and everything else all around him so much so that he ends up developing uh, for lack of a better term an avatar of himself uh, to go out and you know he experiences life but uh, the long story short uh, he's also Peter Quill's dad and it turns out that uh, Peter Quill the celestial DNA that Ego gave him ended up adequately bonding and just there was that one statement he made where it's like for the first time I am not alone because yeah. it's true until that point he was the only thing of him that he knew of so by creating his son who now has also has celestial DNA for once there's somebody just like him you know I've often you know you see in stories a lot of the times these people that are the last of their race and then that's one thing okay well that you know they knew who they were, they had their race, and now they don't, and that's really shitty. But, I mean, can you imagine just coming into existence and being the only thing that you know of like you, and that's all you encounter? I mean, that was probably a very powerful moment. It's too bad it turns out he's the bad guy, but, you know, I, I was really blown away by that. And then just thinking about 
I don't know, like the sacrifice aspect of it was very was very powerful. It was a it was a it, I think I like that the the movie once again uh the Guardians of the Galaxy kind of relates on the the family level cuz the first movie is about all of these people with with broken families. They've got shitty relationships mm-hmm. or they don't have uh relationships at all like Rocket Raccoon. And uh and then the second one was really more about like fathers and how you know and family again but in a way that you make your own family. So uh, I, I I just I don't know it, the good combination of awesome special effects, good storytelling. I I can't even think of one part of that movie that lagged for me. I said that last week. I'm repeating myself. I'm sorry. Yeah, same here. And I went and saw it. We went to the like 3D IMAX, and I don't know if I've I, I'm pretty positive I went to a 3D IMAX before, but this was like. We've got this one big 3D IMAX at the Minnesota Zoo that's massive. It's my first time going to that, and I, man, I was pulled in. Like, I have never seen a movie that beautiful, and I think part of it was just the experience of being at the 3D IMAX with the sound as big as it is and the 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 screen being as nice as it is a 4K screen with 3D that you just get so sucked in. Well, and, and the I'm entire not- movie, every single scene, every single location, it's almost like it's an album cover. You know what I mean? Just the level of detail and stuff going on. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I I liked about the visuals was yes, every shot is every shot is a piece of art, and that is something that has disappeared from filmmaking that used to be de rigueur that was the norm is every movie lived every filmmaker lived by the every shot a piece of art a masterpiece and that's part of that was just the fact that it cost so much to shoot film that they had to they couldn't waste film they had to set up the shot like it was a masterpiece because they didn't want to waste it but now you can throw away footage like there's no tomorrow no one cares footage is fucking piss piss it away James Gunn didn't do that with this. He took the old school mentality, but without making it too artsy fartsy. Like he didn't go pretentious with it. Every shot still told the story. It still was uh, the emotional impact that needed to be told, like what the characters are trying to express or what the audience is supposed to be feeling. But it still looked fucking amazing, man. Some mm-hmm. of that movie was it was the prettiest movie I've ever seen in my life. I think we also uh, the the other aspect of it that I really liked is we got to really see kind of rocket raccoon in his element i mean he was able to you figured out how he has survived this long because he can really hold his own i mean he's a for lack of a better term he's a techno mage you know what i mean he can turn anything into anything uh technologically speaking and and when it comes down to it man he he just knew some stuff would be happening he was prepared and there are just moments in this film he just drops some serious science on the people going after him but they also let him have an emotional arc, which I liked, because as the movie began, I was like, OK, so what they're going to do with this movie is give Rocket Raccoon the cool moments. Like he's just going to be the guy who comes in and he's cute. So we're going to give him some action sequences just and then Baby Groot is just going to be the one for the kids. And it was going to be kind of cliched in that way. But they gave Rocket Raccoon and uh, Rooker's character Yondu this really nice subtle arc of almost like brothers and and mirror versions of each other uh that i I really liked that i like the fact that they 
they didn't make Yondu have this massive arcing story with Rocky where it's like they're bickering and now they're buddies and now it's they just have this subtle like, hey, I'm a fucking thief and you're a fucking thief. Well, yeah, kind of sucks. Kind of sucks being us, right? Well, and even more so, I think it was important that uh, in order for Rocket to evolve, he he had somebody, <laughs> lack of a better term, evolve. Uh, but he had somebody that that pretty much could call him out and just say, "Look, I know you because I am you." And it's at that moment when he he looks into the face of of who he is and and what he can become. I think that's where he finally realizes he needs to affect some change in his life. Hell yeah. And that really kind of hit him. I mean, it's just, look, folks, if you haven't seen it yet, it, this is one of those movies where, you know, if, if you're in a shitty mood and, and you have two and a half hours to burn, if you go see this, I guarantee you, you'll walk out having some minor bit of faith in humanity again. Pretty sure anyway. That's my takeaway from it. Yeah, and honestly, for me, it it was... It was sort of rejuvenating isn't the word, but I haven't seen a blockbuster movie. You've, I've, I've been on this podcast a few times, and if you can't tell, I'm a little bit of a uh, curmudgeon when it comes to, to, to like blockbuster-y movies. I like independent, weird movies. If, if they cost more than $25, I'm out, usually. So this movie, watching it, it was the first time I watched a movie since like forever, like longer than I can remember, that... Honestly, this movie made me feel like the time, like when I watched Jurassic Park for the first time when I was 13. Exactly. And I had, I had this feeling of just like, man, they hit the emotional beats just right. The characters weren't overly cliche. The most emotional character in the movie was Michael Rooker, a man I first saw as Henry Portrait of a serial killer in the most vulgar movie probably I've probably ever seen. Like, if I could go back to being 15 and watch... Henry portrait of a serial killer one again and know that this man was going to make me cry in the theater someday. I'd be fucking shocked. Like I never would believe it. And that it, it, it definitely made me as a filmmaker go like, Oh man, I, maybe I do want to make blockbusters someday. Like maybe that's <laughs> possible. You know what I mean? Well, like, I, I think the nice thing that's going on here is that you've got somebody who, who feels, well, if I'm going to do a job, I'm going to do it Right. And yeah. and it's not that it's a Marvel Marvel movie, and it's not that it's Guardians of the Galaxy. It, it really feels like James Gunn knows the characters that he has. He understands the directions they can go or grow, and and then he he probably comes up with a base story and then builds on that. I mean, it, it really kept it to basics. It was it, if you really think about it. And that's what it was. Jurassic Park, that is, I mean, besides the crazy science that kind of pulls you in and makes you go like, oh, shit, they could bring back dinosaurs. The actual characters, the actual story structure and all of that, by the numbers. Like, it just totally plays out. But it's the characters and the way they interact with each other that pulls you in. And this movie did the same thing, where the actual story structure, it's pretty fucking simple, really. Like, it's taken from stuff that's already been done in Marvel. And then mixed with some very simple concepts. It's it's pretty act one, act two, act three by the numbers. But yet at but the that, same time, man, it's it, the the part that kills me the most is it just like the predecessor, volume one, I, I just don't feel like it's a Marvel movie. I know that may sound stupid, but it isn't. No, it it's, doesn't at all. It's a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. That's what it is. 
but if anyone should like if if anyone can call this out like i haven't seen the last three marvel movies it's just i'm not that i don't get the interest i mean i i just personally can't watch those movies anymore i'm oversaturated and part of it is the fact that i know i have a kid that in a year is going to watch them all a million times and i don't want to i don't want to wear it out for myself but i just uh, like doctor strange i still haven't seen you know i got i got to admit Nah, I mean, you're okay. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, the fact that I, I am, and it's people, but Guardians, I'm so, it's it's not just a Marvel movie, it's an amazing movie. Like, it's yeah. just an amazing movie. That's the, And that's the point. That's the point. It really, the, they're, they're good movies. And the comedy, too, man. The comedy is some of the best I've seen in a long, the jokes were really good, right? Yeah. Like, it, the, it, every time Drax is on screen, I was, like, enthralled. Well, yeah, because they uh, once again, and I think this was great. This was a great part of it. You know, Drax really doesn't have anywhere else to go as a character per se. He's had his great uh, tragedy. He's had his semi-revenge story by the end of the last movie. So for him now, and they already established he was a very simple character. They all they did was play to the strengths of it. That's all they did. They said, "Let's you know, we're not going to give him a love interest. You know, he's not going to suddenly, uh, you know, uh, start chumming up with uh, Rocket or anything. No, we'll just we'll let Drax be Drax, and he is just so goddamn funny every time he is on the screen. It is except for the one moment we talked about it last week too. Uh, just when he and Mantis are sitting on the stairs and he's just sitting there stoic and looking normal, but she is an empath touches him and starts crying. Uh, and it, it turns out that yes, underneath the veneer, there is still this great internal turmoil, uh, and sadness. It was just like, God damn. And, and that's why he is, you know, Drax. Cause he's, he's damn, but I guess you gotta be kind of strong. Cause there, that was the only part of the movie that took me out by the way, when Drax is on a cable being dragged while they're crashing on a planet. I just imagine, you know, I know, I don't know what he is made of. I don't know what he is made from, but at that velocity smacking into trees, I just can't imagine how every bone in his body wasn't shattered. See, and for me, I'm okay with it because it's all such nonsensical magic. <laughs> that I'm I'm fine with like I sit you're, there you're going, like Will like, I'd like to remind you talking raccoon exactly. <laughs> like okay fair enough fair enough so and uh, what I what I really I here's what happened with this movie and I, I guarantee this is true I mean I don't guarantee because I don't know but I feel like James Gunn went to Man of Steel he, he saw Man of Steel and he went into the film thinking it was going to be a movie about dads and it kind of was a movie about dads, but you've got one dad going like, shh, don't tell him who you are. And then another dad going like, I- I'm dead and I'm some kind of weird hologram magic thing. <laughs> and then James Gunn went, I- I'm going to make the good dad movie and I'm going to make it a Superman movie still. I'm going to make it the so, an- complete antithesis. Yeah. and But I mean, that is really in the end of that movie, the last like, before the Rooker stuff starts to happen, when you've got uh, a Pratt flying around, fighting through space and punching his dad, it was Superman. They were a couple of gods fighting each other. It's it, That is a Superman movie. And somehow I was still in it. Like, I was still going, like, this is, this is an awesome movie. This is an awesome action sequence. I want to know who wins this battle. 
now that's never happened in a Superman movie before. Every Superman movie, I just go like, yeah, Superman's gonna fucking win, and stuff is gonna happen, and they're gonna they're gonna have some green rocks that get thrown around, and someone's gonna cry at some point. At the mm-hmm. end. But this one, I, for all I know, they're gonna kill Chris Pratt. They totally could have done it, and I wouldn't have been shocked with how the direction that movie went. I call him Chris Pratt, like we hang out. Yeah, I like they, that. They, <laughs> but, but they could, anyone could have died in that movie. And then when it gets to the end, you've got Rocket Raccoon telling Rooker, like, "Welcome to the, uh, welcome to the, welcome to the Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy." And then I'm like, "Well, they're not, they just welcomed hey, him. They're not gonna on. kill him." Don't. Eh, we really didn't talk. about let let's ease off on that one little. I think the world knows, but still, there might be a listener here or there that that may not know that um, that that Rocket Raccoon becomes the Hulk, for example. They may not know that, right? Oh, they don't know that fact. Yeah. So you know. Okay. Actually, the, I got to tell you though. Um, I and I, I said this last week as well. My daughter was so tired; she had had the longest day, but still wanted to go see the movie. And uh, I'm still convinced I'm a bad dad for actually taking her. So she did have some waking and sleeping moments during the movie. But then when the end credits were happening, I'm like, no, 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 we got to wait. And she's like, I want to go home and go to sleep. I'm like, we can't wait. We got to go. So I didn't see like a lot of those end credit bits. Like I didn't get to see, I think one of them is like Teenage Groot. I didn't get to see that. Sure. Did you, did you you and the wife stick through? Did you see any of those? Yeah, Um, I stuck around for all of them. My wife and I stuck around for all of them. Which was the last one I saw? I know I saw the Adam Warlock. I saw that. Yep. And, and there's Teenage Groot. Didn't see that one. I didn't see Teenage Groot, and I didn't see Stan Lee uh, again. Yeah, I think Stan Lee. That's the last one. I think yep. those are the two that I missed because uh, I saw the the one guy, uh, the uh, you know James Gunn's brother. Um, I yeah, saw, shoot Drax. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. Anyway, uh, but you know, I, now we're just comparing movie stories, and we're not talking about stuff, and that 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 bugs me on any podcast when it's it's one of the, and that's the really cool thing that I love is that you know now we're we're literally part of a subcategory that is so flooded. It's two or more, you know, uh, reasonably close in age, something or others that are just. Uh, talking to one another about their interests how many podcasts yeah. like that are there now 400 billion yeah yeah, yeah exactly because that's what we're doing this is like literally the formula the easiest formula to, to achieve i mean aside from sitting there and talking to yourself but i have to say that when you sit there and talk to yourself you never be you've never been more self-aware of of your own voice and your own ridiculous thought patterns than when it's just you solo trying to talk into a microphone for anything longer than 5 minutes and i'm actually going to kind of try to do that in the future actually so i'm i'm like doing this whole i'm going to do a morning show starting in august and mondays i'm going to be recording with my wife tuesdays i'm going to be doing live art streams wednesdays i'm going to be doing the art attack that's your name by the way you came <laughs> up that, which i've already i've already been doing the art attack podcast it's on my patreon right now where i talk to artists and it's more of like a interview podcast but i come up with some weird fucked up questions to ask them um now let me ask you when you do that and, and we'll get into the day after art attack as well but but when you do that do you do you do it What's the motivation? What is the most, what is the motivation in coming up with messed up questions? 
So it's not, I mean, they're not messed up questions. Like, they're not fucked up questions. They're more like, when I say messed up, like, they're not just your normal, typical, like, where'd you get started? How you do what you do? They're not those kind of questions. They're, like, specifically tailored to the person who's coming in. So if you're a painter, I'll, I'll ask you a question about painting. Like, I'll ask specific things about what you do. I actually, I, I try to look up what people do, or I'll ask, like, what the motivation is be behind their color scheme and stuff like that. The <laughs> themes. See, the only thing I thing. could think to do in that situation, because really I don't know what I would ask a painter, but I would literally go to, like, the craft store, and I would get, I don't even know how brushes work, but I would, let's say I would get a three brush, and I would get a four brush, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe even, like, let's say there was a three, four, and five, and all of them are reasonably close, because that's the only way this works. Then you, you, you go to them and say, i got to ask you a question, all right? These three, four, and five brushes, it's bullshit, right? You can do the same thing with any one of these, right? <laughs> like, why do you, why do you, and, and you just know, that's as, actually not that far from some of the questions I asked. Where oh, good. It, where, it, like, the question I asked a painter on the recent one was something about, um, are there any, are there any types of tools in painting that you don't like to use or any that you specifically do like to use? Meaning, because I know for a fact he doesn't just use a, a fucking paintbrush. Like, I know he doesn't do that. He uses, like, one of those knives, one of those paint, and he splashes, he, like, splashes paint, and yet it still comes out looking like a picture. Like, he, he's very, very talented. But, uh, yeah, that is the kind of question I ask, honestly. It is the sort of, do you use, do you like using small paintbrushes or big paintbrushes? And then hear what they have to say and where that leads the conversation and still let it be a natural conversation and not like I don't want it to be like an NPR interview. I want it to be like a natural flowing wherever the fuck the conversation goes. That's where it goes. Mm -hmm. But I want it to start from questions that aren't just like, yo, you see Guardians of the Galaxy because of that exact thing where it just becomes me and him talking Guardians of the Galaxy. But if he's talking about painting and he's like, I love color schemes like the color scheme in Guardians of the Galaxy. It could lead to that question. You know what I mean? I don't know why. I I think I heard somewhere some ridiculous like little throwaway blurb, and I didn't follow through on clicking on the link because I wasn't going to take their bait. But I heard somewhere that that if for whatever reason James Gunn did try to limit the use of the color purple in this particular movie. Oh, that's interesting. I did. I read an article with Gunn where he talked about. Um, his use of colors and the reason for colors that makes sense because purple really doesn't elicit a massive emotion. Like purple isn't an emotional color, but like in film school, I wasn't taught anything about purple. <laughs> like that wasn't, we didn't have like Wednesday's purple day and we're going to learn about purple, but we did have, <laughs> we did learn about blues and reds and greens and how they elicit an emotion. Purple is just, that's a, that's a weird color to use. Now I'm sure you could use it in a really interesting way. Yeah, he did use a lot of he used a lot of bright pinks and greens, which that's just because he was trying to go with an '80s vibe. But he also used gold to show like pretentiousness and awkwardness of a scene, and he used blues to show obviously like coldness and sorrow. But then also mixed the blue with showing like uh, life and rejuvenation. Like he used two different kinds of blues, which was really interesting. I geeked out on this movie as I was watching it. Like I totally was watching it as a filmmaker and then also got so sucked in that I forgot halfway through the movie to be watching it like a filmmaker and just started like 
loving the characters just taking in the content i can you know i can imagine though um that must have been amazing to see in imax the way you did because uh, i'm just thinking of the scene where they first arrive on ego and they travel out of the his ship and on this little floating platform and it's just going through the planet and there's these ridiculous gelatinous globes that if you touch break into smaller gelatinous globes uh, cause I saw it as standard, no 3d, just like straight screen, uh, only because I feel like the IMAX in my theater isn't really so much an IMAX probably because I, I compare it to things like, uh, like I see at the California Academy of Sciences where the screen is literally taking up half a dome and your chair is aligned. So you're, you're leaning more back to be a part of that entire experience. And, and so, instead I just come in and I see, Oh, look, it's a big screen. That's all I see. Yeah. So the one that I'm at isn't the it isn't like the dome one, right. but it's it's almost. It is massive and it it circles around you a bit and you definitely are looking more up than straight forward. Your seat is kind of tilted back, but it isn't it, I know which one you're talking about, the massive huge one. It's like it's like a little version of that Still bigger than anything I've ever seen before in my life. So, and, and the part that I'm probably missing that you brought up, like, is it's a 4K image there. So it's it's 4K plus the sound system is insane. So it, the the in a lot of movies I go to, which is one of the reasons I just started hating movies, is I go to the movie and I've got four kids behind me screaming while a dude sits next to me chowing down on popcorn, and I can. I'm barely in the movie because there's so much happening around me. This one was so loud and so big and in your face that I didn't even realize. I thought I was in the theater by myself. They're lucky I didn't start J&O while I was there. It was just completely, I was so alone in that moment. At one point, <laughs> so I've got this buddy, Lucan, who comes on my podcast every once in a while. He's a super funny guy, but he is Drax. Like, he acts like Drax. And... As there was even a point where Drax, like he laughs, like how Drax laughs at the inappropriate moments. My buddy has literally said to me, like, "This is so embarrassing for you." Like <laughs> when I was too drunk one time at a bar, just like screamed, like, "This is so embarrassing!" So I just totally relate. And that was the first time in the movie, like that that you know, you've seen him talking about where he says, "This is so embarrassing for you." That's a solid twenty minutes or more into the movie, mm-hmm. and at that point, that was the first time I remembered, "Oh shit, I'm in a theater with people," and turned to my wife and said, "Like, that's fucking Lucan, right?" But I made it that far into the movie before remembering I was in a theater. That's how engrossed in it I became, which is awesome. Like I, I felt like a kid again. I really did. I don't have any other way to describe it except for this, the theater, the experience, the movie. Now, if the movie had sucked, I probably would have been like. Wow, this theater's really pretty, but there's a lot of people in here. I can't even imagine what a 4K image must look like that's on a big projected screen because I I guess it all depends on the refresh rate because there's still, and I'm not even in the 4K range in my life, there are still versions of HD that I just can't handle. Like when they get into the 240 hertz or megahertz or whatever it is, and you've got that just hyper reality my mind can't process it it looks at it and goes that image is too clear i can't absorb this yeah and you want to know what actually i think the thing is is that's i saw x-men in that way i saw x-men 4k the last one apocalypse or whatever um and i i was kind of pulled out of it because it was so detailed that i could see like hairs on their cheeks and like the littlest details and it it made me forget like I could see the makeup clumps on their face 
And it made me just kind of forget that I was watching a movie. And instead, I kind of was paying attention to the little details at points. You know, Generally, I still was totally engrossed. But I, I just I, I definitely thought that that was a thing. Like I, I could see myself being distracted by little details. Now, with this, because of the 3D, you get soft focus on things and your mind gets distracted by little details in the background because you're trying to focus on things that maybe aren't the focal point. And James Gunn used that. He knew that people would do that. He purposely pulled focus to things like at the beginning of the movie when Baby Groot is dancing around and there's things happening in the background. That stuff is very distant in 3D. I'm sure in a regular theater, you can kind of focus on everything that's happening. You can kind of see Baby Groot and you can kind of tell that someone's falling in the background and stuff. And this all I could do was focus on the distance or focus on Groot. I couldn't do two things at the same time. And that sounds like a negative, but th the truth is, is like, it's, it's not, it's a positive because it made me have to focus more. I couldn't be focusing on what was happening around me. You know what, uh, what else I found kind of funny about that opening sequence in many ways, it, it felt like, and I know this is going to sound stupid, but it felt like, uh, the haunted mansion. If you go to Disney and you go on the Haunted Mansion, because that entire experience is, is one where they tell a narrative and you're in an environment and they're specifically directing you to what they want you to see. And in in, in some ways, when that uh, moment was happening, when when we were following Dancing Baby Groot, I kind of felt that w that way. And some and then I, I just saw it in plain two D. I really felt like I could tell that they were trying to direct me through that to see certain aspects. And in many ways, it is. It's like uh, at at the moments where there's some serious action and there's like another guardian there, then it does give you a little bit more of that focal detail or focal push or something, uh, just enough to keep you engaged to remind you, yeah, there's this other thing going on. Yeah, it pulls you back and forth. And in the 3D, I, it really made me bounce between things. Or I had to actually decide what I wanted to watch. And that immediately pulled me into the movie more so than any other movie I've seen in a long fucking time. I wonder if that's also part of the strategy to get people to go back again and again is just there's so much detail. You, you just you want to go back to experience it all. And maybe it's not a, maybe it's not a strategy of like we're gonna put asses in the seats. Maybe it just comes down to the fact that he's going like I, I know people are gonna watch this on DVD again, and they're gonna watch want to watch it with their kids, or they're gonna watch want to watch it like it's me giving James Gunn the benefit of the doubt a little bit, in as much as I think as a filmmaker he he just wants to make stuff that's fun and knows that there's going to be re repeat viewings. Although you wouldn't you wouldn't know that it's a fun movie from the last half hour as I was crying all over myself going I haven't cried <laughs> Well, you know, dude, you're you're a dad. You've got kids. That that one was going to get you no matter what. Yeah, but I talked to other dads who it didn't hit that hard and I I don't think it was the dad element as much as the the juxtaposition of creative dad and just being a dad like it was actually the the sentiment that went along with the dad because like i remember um in age of ultron was it hawkeye goes home to his family yeah i think was that, that wasn't it yeah i think that's when they went back to the ranch 
And that was the that movie actually kind of surprised me because I saw at that scene I was like, "Fuck yeah, a dad!" Like they made a super dad. And then the movie kind of I don't it just became kind of like people yelling at each other while no one died. Typical like Marvel movie. And uh, but I but it did give me this hope that maybe they would do something for the dad. But I didn't cry or it wasn't like an emotional hit. This was just like. I, I, it wasn't the fact it wasn't the fact of what ends up happening to Rooker or what happens in the movie. It was it it was the fact that it's the actual sentiment of like fighting that he, he, uh, oh my God, why am I blanking ego ego kind of tells a story or sings along with a song and tells this idea of like I'm meant for the sea. That's what he says. like basically like I'm meant to work. That's his like whole that's the whole sentiment of what he's saying is like, I'm my job is what's important. And. That's that that's an important statement to me, like that hit me where I'm like, wow, they're making like workaholic dad a bad guy right here. <laughs> like yeah, I, that. Well, really I mean, struck- with with his with his master plan, you got to admit uh, homeboy truly was uh, what I would consider, yes. uh, you know, a he was just all about the work. He, that was it. He, he, I mean, he, he, you know, they they jokingly say uh, you can't have everything where you would you put it, and, and he did. He wanted everything. Yeah, but there's still, I mean, on the like the more mild side of that, if you really like take away from it a sim- a simple, if you simplify that idea. He is the workaholic dad who's always working and that's all he cares about. And I kind of am that sometimes. So it it really struck me because it's like, yeah, I work, you know, a hundred hours in a week some weeks and I don't sleep because I'm busy animating after I get done with my 40 hours of work a week. I still put in another 40 to 50 hours and it there's days where I don't do because I feel like I have to, you know, get my shit done. But there's days where I just want to spend time with my kids. And the movie felt like it was justifying that just a little bit, you know, or saying like, <laughs> just yeah, a dad. it's OK. It's, it's okay, OK to just be with your kids sometime and be their daddy. Yeah, definitely. It is. And, and I need to do it. I'm going to fucking cry just talking about the movie now. Look what you're doing. I need to do it more because <laughs> literally I, I thought about this, this today. Um and this is nothing to complain about, but I work from home. So because of that, I I put in I might put in a little more time than I should sometimes or, or things stretch out. Or if I decided to get a little extra rest, I got to make up that time. But more often than not, it's it, my kid must just think that the youngest one, the oldest one knows I, I go in and out of stuff like this. But um, the youngest one do, probably doesn't even know what to think because there are times I'll literally come from from doing a job in here to going out there to do another job and then then it's time to cook dinner and then I got to finish up other job and then I'm going to bed again. And it's like, wait a minute, didn't I wanted to work from home so I'd get more of my life back? I'm doing something wrong. What is it? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I'm not complaining, folks. Uh, I don't want to give that across. But I just realized Uh, that I'm not giving enough time to my kids and I'm supposed to because I'm here more now. And me neither. Like I'm not. It's. It also isn't a complaint from me. And it made me, the fun thing being, like I kind of related to ego in a weird way, where I, I got where he was coming from, which made the character more fun to watch. Like I, I like a bad guy where I can relate to him over just 
I'm a bad guy. I want money. Well, I think the other nice thing, too, was uh, with Ego uh, becoming the antagonist, because ants suck, um, <laughs> with with Ego's plan, at least it makes sense. You know, it's like uh, Ronan in the first one, okay, he was a religious zealot, and, you know, he just hated Xandar with a passion or whatever yeah. it was. Uh, but but what is the driving motivation there? Nothing. He is just a prick to be a prick. That's all. That's all he's there for. Ego, at least, there was there was some rhyme or reason to his master plan. Because it really is like a logical conclusion. I'm the only thing like me, so what if I instead make everything else me? Yep. You know, yeah, I could at I least like see where that connection would come from. 100%. And as like an artist... That's, I mean, that's kind of, it's you putting yourself out there. I mean, that, that's to me was the metaphor of like, he's just putting all of himself out there <laughs> doing everything <laughs> he can to one. put it all out. And he, he is, that's, he's an artist in a weird way. You know, and, I, I had, I had to crack up because Trent pointed out something that was very obvious for me. The opening sequence when, uh, baby Groot is dancing in this movie is literally a metaphor for the entire rest of the movie because, uh, you know, they're protecting uh, batteries and, you know, you've got this massive creature that wants to consume the batteries and the Guardians have to fight them off. And then, you know, Drax ends up bringing in the part of the story that, you know, they have to attack it from the inside. And it's just like, uh, oh, that's hilarious. I didn't actually I didn't put that all together. I thought it was interesting that the first movie opened with him dancing around during a kind of weird like action sequency moment and then this one they replaced Chris Pratt with Baby Groot dancing around in a <laughs> well, it's like I said action. last week they knew what people wanted just give it to them right up front that's what they that's did that's okay that's the thing i'm learning as a filmmaker the more and more I, I i try to figure this whole game out it's a matter of giving people what they want or tricking them into thinking they know what they want or Knowing what they want and making them think they want something else, but then giving them what they wanted in the end. I'm like, so confused it, now. Yeah, it's re very, it's very strange. <laughs> Your face was amazing. You're like, what the fuck is he talking? <laughs> no, so I know, I'm just so, sitting here going, wow, where is this going? <laughs> yeah, so I read this book a while ago called Save the Cat, which is all about like the rules of filmmaking and stuff like that. And I started for a while, for like a year, I everything I did revolved around Save the Cat. And like all of my professional work was Save the Cat related and trying to follow these rules. And nothing worked. Like everything felt broken. I'm like, why the fuck does it feel broken? It's because you can't follow the rules to a T. You have to change things up. You have to use half of the rules and then twist expectation on the other half. So you're giving people what they want partially, but you're also not giving them what they want because they, they don't. If they don't know about it, they can't want it. You know what I mean? Okay, Is I'm finally now. I'm with, yes, I'm finally with you. Okay. Well, because so, like as an artist, you're looking to create and you want to create your thing. So you yeah. have one of two choices there. You can make something that uh, it has greater appeal, but may not be what your creative option is, or it's creating what you want to create and then finding a way to get people to appreciate it. Or it's yeah, 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 totally. Or it's like. If I'm making a horror movie, here, I'll just give a little inside baseball into my feature that I'm working on right now. I'm working on my horror film, and as I was trying to figure this movie out, horror, not horror. 
I saw you. I saw your eye. Okay. No, no, I'm uh, good. I, I understood. <laughs> so I'm working on this horror movie, and there's a there's a plot point in the movie. So it follows act structure, act structure, act one goes normal act two goes normal but then act three i was struggling because act three should go one direction but i wanted it to go a different direction like the audience is expecting one thing to happen and i want that to happen but if it happens just straight up like the way they expect it they're just gonna go like okay so this fucking movie just happened like it there's no twist there's no interesting moment there's no climax there's no change so to make a change up, I went back to act act one and threw off the perspective there. And that so that act one, you get you it, the audience is going to think, oh, they were just fucking with me about this thing. So then when it gets to the thing that they actually wanted, it's playing out kind of the way you want the movie to, because that's the way the movie should play out. And that's kind of how Guardians goes, where you you want it to go a certain direction. You want certain beats to happen. You want things to happen. And it keeps kind of changing slightly. So you don't, with every expectation that it breaks, you don't really know where it's going to go. If they kill Pr- Chris Pratt, you wouldn't be overly surprised because you'd just go like, oh, this movie was kind of always breaking expectation. So throwing off people's expectation and then the movie plays out exactly the way you want it to. Like no one's going to watch that movie and go, that's not what I saw happening. It is what you saw happening, but you wanted it to. So it, it's satisfying. Yeah, it does. It, it, it paints by the numbers, but it uses its own numbers. It's weird. And then the end result is exactly what you were expecting. Yeah, it, it's, it's really awesome. Um, I, want, I was going to ask you, have you seen, um, have you kept up on the Wonder Woman stuff? Like the trailers and whatnot? Um, yeah, I've seen the trailers. I've followed it. I mean, my big thing with Wonder Woman is I don't know if Warner Brothers in DC has learned to make a good movie yet. So, you know, I, I'm wondering if everything that's cool about it is what we're seeing on on the small screen, if you will. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. Is doesn't it does it feel like the trailer tells you the whole movie? Am I the only one who sort felt of. like I watched it and I was just like, okay, so the first act is her like as a kid and growing up before she goes to World War II and then she goes to World War II and fights a bunch of Nazis and that's the movie? Because you know... No, there's, not- something, there's something more going on, but okay. that part they haven't shown us. Um, and, and when does that movie come out? It's coming, you know, I feel like it's coming out like right around the corner. If it's not coming out this month, it's coming out the early part of next month. And, yeah, and you know, I, yeah, that's, that was the other thing too. I hadn't thought about, but Trent brought up. And then I think also Kevin brought up, uh, recently on a podcast as well. I think it may have been on education where he's just like, or maybe fat man on Batman. He's just like, this movie's right around the corner, but, uh, you know, I'm not really seeing the marketing for it. And that's when I realized I haven't seen any marketing for it. I mean, I've seen trailers, like just tip, like normal trailers. But at the same time, I, I haven't seen a bad guy. Like, is there a villain in this movie besides Nazis? Not that I, I, that's the part we don't know. That's the part we're not seeing. And they're keeping that a secret. Yeah. Well, well, you know, there's only, there's only so much of the, uh, of the stuff you can do, you know, in, in show. I mean, because really, like everything, that was the other thing that was kind of a, a blow blow away moment to realize um, pretty much almost all of the advertising and trailers and TV spots and commercials for Guardians we saw, 
pretty much the majority of that came from like the very opening of the goddamn film. So they effectively used a very concise 10 minutes to break it up into a lot of chunks for us to see uh, and and not spoil the movie for us. Because uh, there you go in, you see the most of these bits and you suddenly realize, wait a minute, um, there's a whole lot more mo- movie here than I was even expecting. They didn't show me anything. So Wonder Woman could be doing that. And I'm wondering if they're not really doing the advertising push because of, uh, you know, they think they've, they've got something they don't need to advertise and still cash in on. It just doesn't make sense to me. Cause I thought that was part of the Warner brothers strategy. I thought that they, well, it, they it have a very solid marketing model and they know how much they spend on print on TV on this and that. And I'm not seeing it. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, that's, that's, what they did. I mean, the suicide squad, that trailer was amazing. And then we all saw the movie, but like they, they definitely are good at, tra- I guess that's what shocked me is that they're so good at trailers and promoting and putting it out there. And this movie, wonder woman just has not been put out there, which makes me wonder, like you said, maybe it's like going to be one of those amazing movies that they're just like, yeah, word of mouth is going to sell this bitch. Like this is, this is pun intended, I guess that was kind of sexist and awful, but I, I it's okay. I, it, but, it, I didn't really notice the moment until you took the time to emphasize it. Okay. Well, let me take one more moment to emphasize this. What I said was, no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it, it uh, that's what I wondered when I saw it. Cause I saw the trailer, uh, just recently, like two days ago, someone showed it to me and I, I was like, Oh man, this I don't know what this movie is about. I don't know what's happening in it. It literally looks like we're getting an origin story and then she fights Nazis and that's it. There's no bad guy. There's no real trouble happening. It's just Wonder Woman. So I I was curious what your take on it was because maybe you knew something that I didn't know. No, I, I literally have no idea. Um, I, I, I have no expectations. The only thing I know about it is that Chris Pine uh, crashes in the ocean and that's how she learns about the rest of the world and then feels like she has to do something and then steals all the really cool gear because clearly you're not clawing into a rock with your hand because people are letting you take the things that you're about to take. So, I, yeah, there's a, there's obviously a, a lot about what it, whatever the big antagonist is for this. Or it may be known. Uh, maybe we're just the... The ones the ignorant that, ones. Yeah, we just don't know because we haven't learned. We haven't taken the time to look. But but then again, exactly. You know, uh, we kind of like how much of Superman, Batman v Superman, did we see uh, by the time that was released? I mean, that was a real heavy crunch. Maybe it's a learn. I I'm hoping it's a lesson, and they they've got a great movie. Uh, because honestly, the coolest thing of Batman v Superman was Wonder Woman's theme. That was, that was really it. When she would come on the screen and it would, the guitar would start jamming to a more mm-hmm. kind of tribal sound. It was just like, okay, I'm in. Hell yeah. And the yeah, trailers I have mean, so and, little of that. <laughs> and for me, I, I don't watch trailers very often anymore because I, I'm, I, we live in this world where everyone puts out their critique of everything in dude, that was awesome on Facebook or dude, that sucked on Facebook. So I've tried to just ignore everything anyone says because it ruins everything for me. Like Logan was completely ruined for me because I had 10 people tell me that it was a movie that I needed to go see right now. And it was made for me. And then I went and saw it and I'm like, it's good. It's fine. 
but it didn't make me cry. It wasn't the dad movie I wanted. No. So, <laughs> um, like that's all. What I all I wanted from that movie was the professional with a dude with blades in his hands, and that's not what I got. But yeah, there was kind of never that connection. That <sighs> right. They could have had it, man. They could have had it. It was so damn close. There were so many moments where I was like, "This is where they're gonna get me. This is where I'm gonna. This is where I'm gonna tear up right now." And then they just walk away from each other, and nothing would happen. And it was just oh, the first half of the movie I was into the uh, the the uh, Xavier and Logan stuff. I'm like, okay, so this can be a father son movie. I can I can get into this, and obviously that changed. So like I, I don't know the I guess the moral of this is. I or the idea that I'm trying to, to say is maybe Wonder Woman has something with not doing the trailers because trailers and word of mouth and all of it sucks. Just let me go see a movie that I don't know about. I, I, I'm hoping people just go like, it's good. Go check it out. And then I watch it and I dig it like it's kind of happening with this alien movie that I'm going to see on Friday. Oh, is that the uh, the alien covenant or whatever it is? Yeah, I'm going to that on. Fr- I'm a huge alien fan, so I'm I'm amped. You know, I'm psyched. I uh. I was, and and I admit that, um, was it Alien Resurrection? That was yep. the one that Whedon wrote, I think, or yeah, had yeah, part yeah. in. Uh, mm-hmm. That one won me back after the weirdness of, of three, three, for yeah. example. Uh, like, I, I don't know what happened there, uh, especially. Oh, oh, yeah, three, that's an amazing story. Three, if, if folks haven't heard it, go look it up because. That movie fell apart. Fincher had, it was his first movie and the studio got all involved and it was just a sloppy mess of, he didn't even have a script on the first days of shooting and it's insane. So go look up that story, but it, uh, Resurrection, yeah, that was Joss Whedon and, uh, it was directed by Jean-Pierre Genet. Yeah, but then there was, then there was, uh, whatever the hell Prometheus was. See, I love Prometheus. I'm I know I'm in the I'm in the uh definite minority with this. I love Prometheus because I I love the like the religious element to the movie where it gets into like gods creating humans and humans creating AI and this like mesh but it's not an alien movie. Like it has nothing to do with the alien series. Well, that's not but- completely true. There is a very mild mild connection to it uh, like yes. for example uh but the thing that i i thankfully i took my nephew to see it uh, who was staying with us at the time and and he's the one that explained to me what they were cashing in on which is the whole um ancient aliens thing or whatever it is where uh you know it's like all of our our predecessors were were aliens that that brought life here yep and I hadn't even I hadn't even thought about that, but but the implications that the movie have really mess with my head. Um, for example, uh, the fact that you know the, we may have been their creation, but then uh, the implication was that uh, when man crucified Jesus, Jesus was one of these uh, father creator aliens. And and the moment their creation killed one of them, everything went apeshit because it was yeah. so unnatural. So I'm like, wait a minute. So what they're saying is we are – and maybe that's what threw me is it was kind of communicating that we were an abomination as far as our creator was concerned. Yes. That's what I love about it. Oh, well, I'm glad that's, I could tap into that reality for you. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> what I love about it, that it takes – it is about – 
our creator going like, oh, we fucked up. That's amazing to me. There's something just so metal about that. Well, what, <laughs> and 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 do you have any do you have any vibe yet on on what Covenant's all about? So I've tried to I've tried to I've tried to stay away from it as much as possible. It, it definitely is more. It, it is an alien movie, like 100. percent Prometheus. While there is an alien in it, and it references the the engineers from the original movie and ah, stuff engineers. like that. See, that's yeah. Yeah, it's that's this is like such a small piece of Prometheus. It and it, when he wrote the script, he didn't write it to be an alien movie. He has said, so it was just written as a different movie, and then he kind of like brought these characters together into it and whatever. Now this other this Covenant is an alien movie, one hundred percent. It's about aliens. I'm curious how it's going to tie into Prometheus and play some of that stuff still, but I think overall it from what I've heard. It's much more of just an alien movie. I, I, like it's, all I want to know is, do they once again find a really old ship? I don't know if they do or not. I mean, like, they don't know. Uh, well, I guess I don't know. I don't know that much about the movie. Yeah. I've just seen the trailers. I, and it, I know. I know it's about colonizing. People are, have to go to another planet to colonize. So it's like husbands and wives going through space. To go bang on another planet, basically. Yeah. Is what it sounds like. Make some yeah. new life. Oh, yeah. Right? New life. All, um, about, all about it. That's all I know. But, but it's going to be aliens killing people. And that'll... But honestly, I'm just hoping for kind of like a popcorn horror film. Now, hopefully. Something more in line and in tone with the first Alien movie. Yeah, or even a little bit more action like Aliens, like the second one. I, I, I could be down for either. I'm open-minded as far as this one goes. Uh, that's the funny thing about uh, aliens, which you know, there's an one or two generations that consider that just to be an amazing movie. Uh, I I admit I haven't seen it in a few years, so I don't know if it holds up for me. Oh, it does so much. Yeah, uh, for I, me it does. Oh my god, I'm I hoping because uh, I do want I do want to watch it again. But you know, the funny thing about that movie was that I think it was just. Uh, like Cameron was getting uh, offers and it was just like a throwaway. They're like, what would you do? Or or they had the option of another alien movie. And, and it was just like an aside that he cashed in on. And he ended up making just this big mega hit that spawned so much. Like, especially there were comic books, tie-ins and all kinds of nutty things. Yeah, well, it's just he took two. Again, it, it's going back to the simple concept mentality. He took. Very simple concepts. Army men get thrown into fucking monster pit. Like, that's all that movie is. And then he was like, you want to know what I like? Strong chicks. I'm going to put a strong chick and have a maternal element to this movie. And then he went, what if the strong chick fought a strong monster chick? And that's the movie. And those are the, it is like a statement on feminism and maternal maternal instinct in its own right i mean it is a mama bear fighting for her cub in that movie. you know and, and come to think of it just about every one of the guys has an agenda or is an absolute dick exactly <laughs> like they're they're parodies they're fun to watch because they're parodies of like typical dudes you got this guy this guy and this guy and they're fun because they're written in a fun way but yeah it's it's like Ripley is the only one where you're, she's a layered character who has all of these different 
facets and her whole life, like like two facets to her character's personality. And then in the end, you just get to watch her literally walk into a room and go get away from her, you bitch. And it's just brutal. Like it's and, so and she, and not, not to mention weaponizing a suit that was just supposed to be used for mundane work. Carry boxes. Right. Like, um, of literally carrying boxes around and then she kills an alien with it. Yeah, it's all good shit, man. Now, well, there you go. There's the takeaway. Go see Guardians of the Galaxy and then rewatch Aliens. That's that's that that's where we are. That's what that's what we made this journey to get to, Josh. Hell yeah, movie Any, talk. Anyway, man, uh, do me a favor. Remind everybody where they can find out more about you. Tell them tell them where to find you and where you want them to go. Okay, so I'll do my I'll, really quickly. I'll do my little pitch here. So go to Patreon.com/slash/FlushStudios. Basically, it's a subscription based. Uh, a website where you can for a dollar you can follow me and you can actually go through a bunch of stuff for free a podcast for free some videos are free and stuff but for a dollar a month you can follow me and see everything I'm doing I post live streams of animating I show behind the scenes of filming I do oh, live we, streams of filming we never talked about what what was happening after art attack on your your morning show I'm going to be doing in August, I'm going to be doing a morning show. I have the three days I talked about. Then on Thursday, I'm doing a, what I call a doodle show, where I'm going to just doodle whatever people want me to doodle. It'll be a live stream, and you can write in, like, draw Kevin Smith, and I'll draw Kevin Smith. Or draw Iron Man, and I'll draw Iron Man. Or draw Will, and I'll draw Will. Whatever you want me to draw. Nobody, I'll just... nobody ask for that, please. And I'll just bullshit while I do it. And then on Friday, I'm going to have friends of mine over to my place and we're going to do like bloody mary bullshit sessions where we have bloody marys friday mornings and we just you know kind of start the weekend early and bullshit about whatever we want it's not an interview it's not no topics thought up in advance it's just a conversation oh my um, gosh you found a way to to bring day drinking into it you genius yeah, so day drinking will occur. Um, so that's so that's like the morning show. And then throughout the week, that's not happening yet. Right now, I only have the Art Attack show gets posted on Monday mornings. And the podcast with my wife is just called Josh and Jenny Conversate. Um, it used to be called the Inevitable Divorce Podcast, but <laughs> that, that kind of changed. Well, that's um, good. Well, we call it the Inevitable Divorce Podcast as well, but I don't like using the term podcast because technically they're not podcasts. They're just MP3s on the, on, on the Patreon. I don't have like an RSS feed for them or anything yet. Now you're just so getting anyway, way too detailed. I know. So it's called Josh and Jenny Conversate. Those come out on Wednesdays. And then I post on Tuesdays and Fridays. I post, they're called Flush Diaries, but diary is spelled like diarrhea without an A at the end. Um, but uh, that those are just, I film with my phone throughout the day or, or my, my camera and I just film random shit and then I edit it together on the bus into kind of, uh, Robert Rodriguez wrote this book called, uh, oh my God, I can't believe I'm forgetting this. It's called Rebel Without a Crew, and it is just his diary um, from El Mariachi. It's oh, that wow. idea. It's just my diary. This is literally, you're just seeing what I'm working on, and on screen I type, you know, working on this thing today, this fucked up thing happened, and it's it's what happened throughout my day. So you can be a part of my process and maybe see where ideas come from, whatever. So you could be a part of it. All this is for a buck. You subscribe for a buck to my Patreon and you get to see it. Um, and then there's short films and stuff. I have chum is a short film about a monster stalking. It's a short film about a monster identical. It's a short film about a monster. Actually, that one's not about a monster. It's about snowflakes. Um, but yeah, you can see my short films on there. 
Uh, so patreon.com slash flush studios. That's, that's my spiel. There you go, man. Oh, I just bounced my keyboard for no reason. Anyway, folks, uh, that's it for us this week. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for, uh, listening, Josh. Thanks for joining in. And, uh, who knows? We may be, uh, doing it again this weekend too, for another episode. You know, you never know, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be at, uh, I'm going to be at a comic convention this Saturday. So if we do one on Saturday, I could have some, uh, fun stories perhaps oh that'd be cool or or you can just you know you can have that post-con voice it's a little crackly and and you're uh you you know you're still trying to acclimate from the lack of constant noise in the background <laughs> that'll yeah, be totally. fun i'm just like it's so fucking quiet in here oh my gosh you guys won't believe what i've been through today uh <laughs> no that'd be good though that'd be interesting uh so hopefully but we'll see uh you know i got commitments you got commitments you know so i don't know what I don't know anything. But until next time, folks, uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. My name is Will. I'm Josh. And you've been listening. Oh, and, and we'll be back. And then you go soon. That's, I think, the way it works. Soon. Or, or we just say, and we'll be back. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? Just cue the damn music. Cue it. I'm trying. Cue that shit. Why is it not working? <laughs> and and now, it's, now it's not working. That's cute. <laughs> Let me try it one more time. This is NetHeads with Will Wilkins and Trent Hunsaker signing off. I know, right? But stop being a little Nancy and deal with it. NetHeads. NetHeads. We'll be back soon. Goodbye. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir... Only at Smodcast.com. My favorite thing when I listen back on this now or when I go to cut it or what have you, uh, because I know you can hear it on the YouTube, because you can't really do anything with YouTube after it's been recorded. That's one of their things. Nobody's going to go in and take down your video and replace it with something else if they compromise your account or, you know, you're not going to get something approved. And then anyway, long story short, my favorite thing to listen back on is when you hear me hitting keys because I'm I'm frantically trying to get another sound to play and, and it's not happening. And I'm like, click, click, what's wrong? Oh, I'm in the wrong window. Oh, no. So uh, that's become my new fun thing to listen to. Yeah, just, and you know it's happening. Like, I, I didn't ever notice that that was happening, but, I, like, except for at the very end, I just, I, you know, I, I can watch you on the screen. But, uh, but I, I'm sure it drives you nuts. A little bit, a little bit. But you know what? Uh, it's all par for the course. Oh, see, wrong part window being, again. Part, part of being a pro. Yeah, totally. <laughs>